Welcome to the Center for Spiritual Living Santa Rosa, a spiritual community that promotes global transformation through personal transformation. At the Center, we are motivated by a compelling vision of a healthy, loving world, which we call the Global Heart Vision. This vision inspires us to bring the gifts of compassion and loving-kindness to the world through our ministries and teaching. What you are about to hear is a recording of a message delivered at the Center for Spiritual Living Santa Rosa. Feel welcomed. Feel at home. In 1954, out of a small home on Clark Street here in Santa Rosa, something new was born. It wasn't born in the biological sense, but rather in the spiritual sense of something new being created out of the combination of ideas from a few people who saw the power of community. And this community would continue to grow over the years, moving from Clark Street to Orchard Street and then to the Luther Burbank Center for the Arts in the 1980s. And all the while, people were attracted to this community, finding a deep and profound sense of belonging and connection as well as the spiritual teachings that allow them to transform their lives for the better. And then in 2004, the size of this growing community could not be contained, and an audacious idea was realized. The purchase of a roller rink and arcade called Starskate World. <laughs> and if you look at the name on this building today, it now says Center for Spiritual Living. And this is the place that we call our spiritual home. And it exists because of that simple fact that you and I become we. And that's today's talk title, You and I Become We. And I would modify it. I would add that you and I become we in community. Doesn't that have a nice ring to it? And that's what we're talking about today. And I'm so excited to talk about this because uh, early on, when I was going through minister school, I realized that one of the things that makes my heart sing is relationship. And not just relationships with people, but the whole idea of relationship, the idea that life itself is grounded in relationship. Community if you didn't know, is actually an intrinsic quality of reality itself. Community is the result of relationship. And what we know looking at science, looking at our spiritual teachings, is that there is a constant interdependency between everything. Relationships are always happening. But what's cool about being human beings is that we have a superpower and our superpower is our ability to create and to nurture those relationships actively. We get to take an active role in how we build new relationships and we nurture our existing relationships. And what I started to realize is that there's three fundamental things that go into community. And there's certainly more. I don't want to discount everything there. But these three things, I think, are key and that's trust, curiosity, the honoring of our mutual desire for connection, and 
the reinvigoring of our relationships through the power of forgiveness. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, but I want to dive into the idea of community itself. And if, please allow me to get a little nerdy with you about this because I think this is so cool how life shows up as community. Community is an intrinsic aspect of reality. The laws of nature themselves support the ever more complex combination of everything. Atoms become molecules and molecules become proteins and these proteins become DNA. And pretty soon we have plants and animals and rhinoceroses and emus and, you know, we have the dinosaurs and of course we have human beings. All of this is the result of community playing itself in more complex ways. You could think of your human body as this vast, harmonious community of living cells that are all working in harmony to create you. Moreover, community and relationship has allowed us humans to do some things that nobody else has been able to do. Community and collaboration are why we are able to put human beings into space. There were thousands of people who went into the moon landing program and landed human beings on the moon. That's amazing. Our country here in the United States, it was formed out of a desire for a new way of being in community. The positive changes that we saw from the civil rights movement, from women's suffrage, those are all the result of community. Indeed, the messages of peace that Jesus and Muhammad and Moses, the Buddha, the Hindu sages that brought us so much wisdom, those are all the result of community. We would not have those teachings today if it was not for community. Indeed, we would not have our science of mind teaching today if it wasn't for community. So, it got me to thinking, why is it that we build communities? And I think the reason is because there's something deep inside of us. There's something baked into our very being that says that life is better when we work together. And those communities that we've built over the years, they've allowed us to evolve. They've allowed us to grow faster than anything else because we work together in our own development, our own growth. One of those things that came out of this powerful interconnectedness is technology. And it's kind of an interesting relationship that we've had with technology, isn't it? We believe, at least I, I think we believe this, that technology is something that has enhanced our lives, that has made our lives better. And I think more, more than that, I would agree with that. But there are some forms of technology that I wanted to shine the light of awareness on a little bit um, that have been coming up, especially in the, the news and the state of the world that we see here today. I look at the world today and I see so much possibility, but what's a little bit challenging for me is I also see so much division. And one of the reasons that I think there has been so much division is because we have been sold the idea that technology can become a replacement for community. 
social media in particular is something that was sold to us, right? That here's this new way of being in community with each other. The problem is that I don't think it's actually creating more unity. I don't think it's creating more understanding. I don't think it's creating more trust. Do you? When was the last time you went on social media and actually felt like you won an argument? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I don't want to beat up on social media and technology and the internet too much but, um, because I know that they're not inherently bad, but what I do want to focus on is the idea that they are a replacement for authentic face-to-face -face community. I think when we look at these technologies and we see the whiz-bang aspects of them and we get excited and we think, oh yes, this is going to create new connection, the danger is when we use them as a replacement because then we're setting them up to fail. It's not what they're actually good at. We've made that assumption that technology can be a replacement for authentic face-to-face -face community. What I think we've forgotten though is that us humans, us humans are pretty amazing. We have been building loving communities since the dawn of human history. Like I said, that interconnectedness and that desire to grow in community, it's baked into our very being. Our DNA tells us to connect with other people. And it gives us all of the tools to do that. And I think we might have forgotten that a little bit. If there's any gift that has come out of this pandemic, it's that I think we're... we're kind of learning face first that social media and Zoom are poor replacements for authentic connections that are made in person between a group of people. Certainly, we didn't have any other choice, right? Especially when we are under lockdown, it was the only way that we could connect. But I really think it accelerated this, um, I would say, this lesson that we're getting to learn about the failings of technology as a means of fostering connection. I saw these challenges firsthand when the pandemic was first starting, when I was working at Chicago Public Schools. I um, have mentioned before that I was part of the team that helped to bring remote learning to all of our students. And it was a good thing that we brought it to them because there was really no other way that they were going to stay connected in the midst of a lockdown. But what breaks my heart is how I saw the students and the teachers reacting to it. The students were constantly asking their parents, when do I get to see my friends again? They knew there was a part of them that knew there's something better when they are physically together with their friends and they're getting to share that time with them. And the teachers, of course, the teachers were even more frazzled and stressed because here's this new way of teaching and they were used to creating those in-person communities within their classrooms. And so we saw that it's really a poor replacement. And the reason that I think that technology fails us in this is that it stifles our curiosity about our brothers and sisters. It, makes it harder to build the bonds of trust that sustain community. What I know is that sound bites and YouTube videos and 140 character strings of Twitter text cannot replace the beautiful dance of shared facial expressions and the lyrical intonations of voices. 
that carry so much more meaning than text on a screen or even a video can. In going through ministerial school, it was a common phrase that traditional church is dead, and I want to confront that phrase head on. I don't think that that's true. And I know that because I see here in person and even with our live streamers online who are interacting with us, I know that there is a power in meeting our peers and connecting with them in a more authentic way. The work then, I think, is to remember that social media is simply a tool, that technology is simply a tool, and that it can never be a replacement for those authentic connections that we make with each other. It's just easier to be with people in person, isn't it? So I think that those tools can augment our, augment our community when we use them as they're intended, but I think we have to ask ourselves, how do we build better communities? Knowing this, knowing that technology is not going to be a replacement for that. How do we nurture the you and I becoming we in community? As I said, all authentic relationship, I believe, is grounded in curiosity. It's sustained by trust, and it's renewed through the power of forgiveness. These are spiritual practices, powerful spiritual practices, that we need to embrace to continue to grow and build a community that is powerful and inclusive. And so there's a couple of examples that I'd like you to um, imagine in your mind's eye here to illustrate this concept. And the first one looks like this. And looking, if you, anybody reads the news today, this will probably be a very familiar example. Consider two seemingly opposing, consider two groups that have seemingly opposing ideologies. These two groups, they hop onto Facebook and they use Facebook to start organizing conflicting protests that are in favor of whatever their particular ide you know, ideology is. Each one of these groups is absolutely sure that they and they alone know the path forward. Here's some chuckles because we know where this is going. They find themselves, of course, physically together in their protests outside of a city hall, both chanting slogans that are aligned with their beliefs. They yell at each other, they shout, and each group tries to be louder than the other to drown out the voice of the other. It's no surprise then that nothing changes other than that the animosity each group feels towards the other is amplified. Now let's look at the opposite. Consider these two same groups, but they have a little bit of a modification based on the practices that the individuals in those groups are making. These two groups are very passionate about their ideals, but they know that they don't hold all of the answers. They know that even though they may have seemingly opposing views of the world, nevertheless, they are curious about the world around them and these opposing groups, and they desire to find common ground. Instead of protesting, they find a place where they can meet in dialogue, sharing their mutual idea, ideal, their mutual desire for understanding, 
And in their meeting, they begin to realize that they have more in common than they knew. And their acts of deep listening to one another create new bonds of trust, new bonds of relationship. And sure, it's probably not easy for them. I'm sure there's the practice of forgiveness going on as they grade against each other, as they discover who they are together. But through those deep acts of listening, they're able to positively move forward in a larger community with one another. They're able to respect each other's boundaries and beliefs, and yet they're also able to express a larger ideal together than each of these groups held on their own. Now, you can take group, and you can distill it down to a human being, too, right? And so doing that, I I invite you to consider which of these two examples would you like in your life? (laughs) And maybe consider which example do you think affirms a world that works for everyone? And I give you this example because when I look at the world today, I see so much of that first example. And I want to paint a picture of what something different could look like. Because the real change that has happened in the world has happened through community and it's happened through the kind of community that invites listening, that invites dialogue, the kind of community that's based in curiosity. And so the moral of the story is that our work, I think, is to become a little bit more curious about those around us, especially those with whom we disagree. That curiosity is a catalyst. It can lead us to form new connections, to learn something new that we didn't know before about those around us and about ourselves. And as we grow these connections, that's where we start to build trust. And that trust helps to grease the wheels of our relationships so that living with one another can be easy instead of hard. That's something that I really know for us and for our larger society that life together doesn't have to be hard. It actually can be easy and that comes from the gift of trust. And finally, the embracing of an attitude of forgiveness because I know we are going to rub up against each other, aren't we? (laughs) That's just what it means to be human. We're human beings. We have our ideas. We have our opinions. But if we can be in that practice of forgiveness and, you know, what Jesus said, the turning of the other cheek and giving people the benefit of, of the doubt, recognizing that there is a good that is being reflected back to us in absolutely every person that we meet, That's what allows us to renew and reinvigorate community. And the more I thought about it, the more after being here for a year, I got to observe on my one-year anniversary was on July 1st. And um, as I found when Dr. Edward ninja me with that flower dedication last week, so I got a little bit of pleasure ninjing Christopher today with our flower dedication. This is what our community is all about. 
That's what I've noticed the more I peel back the layers of this community that I've joined, that I get to be with with you. We are making an amazing and positive impact in the world around us. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, I posted on, yes, Facebook, I posted on Facebook the question, what is it that you love the most about the Center for Spiritual Living in Santa Rosa? And here are some of the things that I heard. It was an overwhelming response. I was actually a little surprised. I didn't think that many people would post on it. The first one, Linda says, I always feel great on Sundays. I love the music, the message, and our community. Alicia says, as a single mom, I was looking for a spiritual community of good people to join where my daughter and I could grow. I found it here at the center. Jen says, she loves the people and how welcoming they are. Barry says that she loves the wonderful conversations about hard things in a loving way. And Brian says that it opened a whole new way of living for him. David says that it's wonderful to be able to participate in community and contribute virtually during the epidemic and getting a spiritual and emotional uplifting every Sunday. I invite you, if you have your journals today, to maybe write a little bit about what it is that you love about being here in this community. And that's not just all. That's not all that we are doing in the world that we're able to do through the power of community. We have a jail ministry that helps inmates to be exposed to this teaching so that they can make new choices about their lives. We have groups that are feeding the unsheltered in Santa Rosa and the the areas around us. We had... Before the pandemic, a youth and family program that was the envy of our entire movement. Indeed, it was the inspiration for many other youth and family programs. And trust me, that is something we are working hard to bring back. Every year, we have 12 nonprofit partners, and we'll hear a little bit about that from Julie in a moment, where we've given sometimes upwards of $25,000 a year to nonprofits that are doing good in the world. After the fires, we had relief funds to help those who are most impacted. We even had our community sharing event last week. And I noticed in our community sharing event, this was so cool, I saw just random people who I've never seen in the center come up and share in our bounty. And that's not even talking about all of the individual lives that we have touched with this teaching through the power of community. We together as this beautiful community are doing so much good in the world. And that's the power of you and I becoming we as community. And so I invite you to hold that close to your heart in the days and the weeks to come as we reimagine what this community can be, both in person and online recognizing the power of being together, of seeing our faces, of hearing our voices, of sharing our stories with one another. That's what it means to be human. And I know that we are going to continue to do good work in the world through 2054, 2154. This is who we are. We are here to stay. And that is an amazing thing to be a part of, don't you think? Yeah. All right. So let's go into some prayer. How good it is to be in 
the witness and expression of community, knowing that community indeed itself is yet another outpicturing of that one mind, that one presence, that one power that is the life force behind all things. I know that it is love, it is oneness, it is wholeness, and that I am one with it. Just as each and every person here in our in-person community, on our live stream, we are all one with this infinite divine presence. We as community are that divine presence individualized in a new, more comprehensive, more powerful way in this world. And it is that that I know is most blessed I know that our hearts are able to be open, to share in the dialogue and the listening of those around us. I know that this connective nature that is at the very ground of our being allows us to grow and to become more than we were on our own. I know that there is this perfect, infinite presence that is right there with us that is strengthening the bonds of trust the spark of curiosity and the practice of forgiveness, knowing that together we are one. We are one. And there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that can stand in the way of the power of that oneness as we take our community into the world, doing good and expressing our inherent light, our inherent joy. I am grateful for this, so grateful for this. And with this gratitude, I release my word into the action of the law that has already said, yes, my beloved community, yes. And together we say, and so it is.